everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rokrow. And today we have a special episode for you. We interviewed Frank Petzold, who is the production visual effects supervisor for All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes, I enjoyed talking with him. I know we mentioned him on our Contenders episode two weeks ago, but this was a great conversation. I'm excited for all of you to listen to our interview just a little bit about his previous work. So he's been working in the visual effects department for almost 30 years on a wide range of productions from being the technical director on Practical Magic and The Haunting to being the visual effects supervisor on The Ring and The Golden Compass. Other projects include Armageddon, Hollow Man, The Stepford Wives, and The Shaggy Dog. So he really has worked on lots of different films, which is amazing. It took every fiber of my being to not try to spend the entire conversation on The Ring because (laughs) I know he's up for an Oscar for All Quiet on the Western Front. So we spent the conversation today, of course, talking about that film. But what a great filmography. But yeah, here's our interview with Frank Petzold. Thank you so much, Frank, for joining us and congratulations on your Oscar nomination. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I still can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're so excited to talk to you today. And just to start out, All Quiet on the Western Front is this mammoth, iconic novel and a major undertaking to adapt. So I think we're curious to know what your early conversations with Edward Berger were like and what were some things that you knew you wanted to achieve with this particular adaptation? Well, Edward, I did a show with Edward before, um, The Terror, um, which was produced by Ridley Scott. And that's that's how we met. So we we, we right away knew how each other sort of thinks and, and, and the, the, the creative process. I, I knew how Edward is, is doing his stuff and he knew how I work. And he, I got an email from him. I think it might might have been August or September 21. And he just said, let's get the band back together. I got a great script. Um, And then, of course, I dropped everything and said, yeah, of course. You know, I I love working with him. And so I was looking forward to that. But he didn't tell me which script it was. And then when I found out it was all quiet on the Western Front, that was um, that that was that's heavy material. And it's also, as you said, it's it's a it's a very uh, literary, iconic book. And, um, you know, being German, um, it's also, um, you know, we're very respectful for this material. And um, so it it was sort of, you know, after I read the script a couple of times, I I didn't even think about technology at first um, and and how to do it. I was just, I had to sort of find my, um, my, I I don't know, sort of the philosophy of how how we we have to achieve this. And, And one thing became very clear, and I think to all departments, is that, it's it's none of one of those uh, flashy uh, spectacles, um, you know. That of course, as a VFX artist, you you know usually you you grow up doing that. You know, you want to be louder, bigger, awesome <laughs> 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 camera angles, and 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 newest technology and all that stuff. But this one was really just we had to. It, it was important to bring the actor in the in the foreground, and, and also James Friend, our uh, DOP. You know, he chose chose to do that with with very wide angle lenses. Uh, we shot some of it on the Arielf, some on, on sixty five, to get this this big sensor. So you had those wide vistas, even in the battle scenes. And uh, 
yeah, so I knew that, of course, I had to fix a lot of stuff, add a lot of stuff, uh, also in animation and, and some, some stuff practically. Um, but at the same time, it couldn't distract. And I think that was, it, it wasn't easy to do. Because again, that sort of goes, usually goes against, against our grain <laughs> as we affect people. Um, so we just put our efforts in, in, in details and accuracy and, and, you know, photorealism being historically correct and all that. And that's, that's something that Edward wanted. Um, he, he wanted it, um, I think at some point we sort of narrowed it down that we wanted it um, infinite at the same time claustrophobic. So that, that was the look that we're going for right away from the beginning. Amazing. You mentioned James already, but can you talk about how you worked with other department heads like Heiko with makeup or Christian with production design and how that planning affected your ideas and how you approached the visual effects? Well, I have to say that it, it, it was, and I've been doing this for a while and I've done other big productions, but it was the first one where really where you can say it was a, a perfect collaboration between all the departments uh, to the point where we all became really good friends and we're so happy to see each other right now um, because it really felt like not everybody was in their department and sort of jumping in when they had to. We were always there together. Everybody was on set every day. So you could see each other process. And, and of course, if, if you saw, oh, Heike needs help there, you know, we would help each other out or, or out. And I would, I would go to Heike and say, yeah, no, the wound right here, you know, why don't you, I can fix this if you'd give me that. Um, same with our department. And, and, and also like with, with James, when he, is, when he was finding the shot uh, together with, Ed, with Edward, they were always, both of them were very inclusive with everybody. So, you know, it's some, you have very few projects where you feel as a VFX artist, where you feel like a filmmaker. And this was certainly one where you can say, everybody of us, we look at the screen and go, Aha, that's how every one of us wanted it to be. And it wasn't just something that, you know, you get presented with artwork and then you have to make it so, you know, it was so much fun. It was a very physically challenging shoot. <laughs> I mean, behind the camera, it looked the same like what you see on the screen. Um, we were also knee deep uh, in, yeah. in, in, in the snow and all that stuff. But, um, you know, still at the end of the day, we would have Zoom calls and, and, and we're happy to discuss the next day. I'm sure having such a collaborative set helped with a really grueling shoot for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it was COVID time, you know, that's the other thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like we had to get tested every other day. But we also had like... 200 to 300 extras. So it, it was a, a gigantic operation that looked almost like a field hospital next to gigantic tents for costume and, and, and you know, of course the makeup. And, uh, and I was, since we had such a large set for the battle scenes, I was able to also set up a green outdoor green screen stage uh, north of the set, which allowed me to sort of bounce back and forth between shooting additional elements and, and running soldiers and explosions, um, and then sort of pop back on set um, to do the effect shots. So. Very cool. So you started to touch on the battles a little bit, but I was wondering if you could walk us through how and where visual effects were used in those three distinct battle scenes that we have. Well, those, those kind of shoots are unpredictable. You know, because it's 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 we are shooting on an air airport. It was an abandoned airport. Mm -hmm. It was the, the area between two runways. So we didn't know what the weather's going to do. We didn't know 
how the mud is going to react after it's been raining for two weeks. Um, so right away, um, I decided to 3D scan everything um, just to be sure to have the stuff uh, in case we have to extend more than we thought. Or um, And then, of course, that extended to, you know, 3D scanning the tanks um, and then also we wanted to be historically correct so we, you know we had to scan uh, a, a train cars and a steam engine uh, in museums um, to make 3D models that are absolutely correct um, from what happened at that time but then we sort of we ended up basically um, mixing technology a little bit of everything really um, it, it wasn't like a show where, where we had a, a fixed pipeline some stuff we did completely different. Sometimes we worked shots in, since I had time on set to do additional stuff, I was able to do shots sort of the traditional way that are more compositing heavy. Um, but then of course, there's also, you know, Caesar simulations and, and, and digital matte paintings and all that stuff in there. But we always try to get as much uh, uh, real stuff that I was able to collect in front of camera to, to be used because it just uh, looks so much better. So yeah, we had to definitely always extend the. I, I tried to keep the the practical stuff in front of camera um, to the foreground. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want that for interaction. Like we had a tank mock-up that somewhat worked, um, and then everything sort of starting in the midground. We had to, to start adding, and and in order to to create this depth, you you want to layer stuff. So it wasn't just rotoscope people it was rotoscoping row two row three row four and so on because um, you would always see the, the uh, there was a runway on the other end that was of course on camera so yeah that was that was sort of the the approach but everything was pretty planned i mean we had storyboards made for the battle sequences um and we pretty much stuck to those which was great because it allowed everybody to really plan um and that also goes into budgeting and, and, and making the schedule for post-production. There were some things that, uh, like like uh, when they steal eggs from the farmer, mm -hmm. uh, you have this beautiful Christmas snow. That wasn't planned, but it turned out so gorgeous that we couldn't say no and reshoot the sequence without snow. So we decided to actually, you know, put the rest on VFX because by noon we had we had summer again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> gone so yeah we had to do a lot of that stuff in in, in cg destructions uh, building dis you know, destroyed buildings and all that stuff so. and you're talking exactly what i want to know more about but it's the difference between the practical effects and cg and knowing when to integrate or differentiate them because i feel like as you're talking about the layers and the depth you could just continue to make it more real so i guess when do you stop and then the differences between the effects well, one thing we did is, is I, which is not the usual pipeline when you do movies like this, is I, I sort of front loaded compositing at first so that we can do, we can work on a whole sequence that sometimes was, you know, five to 10 minutes long and really just did some, I mean, not even a, what you would call a slap comp, really just some very crude stuff because you wanted to have, even with the explosions and the black smoke and, and all that and, and the depth, you wanted to preserve a continuity throughout the sequence and since you never work in sequentially on shots you sort of you know work on the usually the, the hardest stop shots first that last the longest we had to know how much smoke do we put in here you know is is the tank still burning or not uh, you know what what kind of smoke are we doing and and how much fog so 
we did a very crude layout of this, the sequences just to find out how much we want to put in there. Um, and then we also, particularly for explosions and, and gunfire in post, we, we sort of try to find like a rhythm um, in the sequence because you don't want to have one shot where just everything goes off and the next one, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to sort of, you know, preload that, check out where we wanted stuff. And then if it felt like it was, it was a good rhythm, um, and then basically restart the pipeline to do the shot properly. So that was sort of the, the thinking or the, you know, the philosophy of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would be curious to know also just what were some of the biggest challenges that you had on this film and maybe what was the most rewarding thing that you took away from working on All Quiet on the Western Front? Well, I think the biggest challenge was, was the book itself. You know, definitely. I mean, it was one of those things where, where you, you offered the job and you read the script and you, you think, you know, do you want to do this? Uh, because that can backfire if you don't do it right. So th that was, you know, going into that, you, you sort of that's that's where I came up with the idea of, OK, let's let's sort of not downplay the effects, but put them in the background, literally, um, just so that we, we we're everybody's always focused on the on the actor. And, and I think it sort of was, was followed by every department, particularly sound. There's a lot of sequence where you hear him breathe. And, and, and that's something that usually gets sort of compressed out. You know, you don't want to hear the, the, mm -hmm. the breathing, breathing and, and sobbing and all that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but we wanted that. So, yeah, that was uh, technically, of course, the biggest challenge was um, the tanks going over the trenches. Because, of course, obviously you can't do that on set. Um, I mean, with the actor. So I approach that sort of in, in a classical sense where, which you can rarely do nowadays because of, of time constraints, but uh, I basically right away talk to the producer and, and the AD and saying, you know what, if, if I want to do this right and it should look photo photographically absolutely accurate and, and not CG, you know, mm -hmm. um, I need time on set so I can layer and, and, and shoot the actors first, then, you know, strike the camera and then relocate somewhere else and then actually have a tank driving over sort of like a car pit. But that, you know, takes a lot of time and, and effort. Um, but, you know, once we, we got past that hump of saying, okay, VFX actually needs time on set and, and you can't just, you know, get your usual 30 seconds after a take, uh, after a setup, um, this, this all worked great and it was really rewarding um and which sort of makes me after the film was done i was like you know what the old ways was actually the best way. <laughs> <laughs> i love that in the, in the 90s or late 80s you had to do it that way because uh computers couldn't do everything you know so mm -hmm. I sort of thought back at those, those times and and it was uh, it was great you also you have faster feedback you know you actually see the stuff you look through the viewfinder oh there it is and you don't look at rotating wireframes. And, and so that was, it's almost like working on miniatures. Interesting. Well, we like to end every episode and interview with a question to our guest about asking one thing that they're wild for. So any book, movie, TV show, anything at all that you've been interested with and like lately? Um, in terms of projects, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious what, if anybody will ever do a Metropolis movie again, the very, you know, remake of mm -hmm. the, I, mean, I hear this, there's, they're, they're doing a series and everything, but that would be something that I would, 
drop everything for because it's sort of i don't know it's the beginning of vfx in general or film make filmmaking and then such a strong stark look um that i would love to do yeah and in terms of movies i don't know lately it's just that's the thing when you work on a project the last thing you want to do is sit down in front of a tv (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) so i've seen a bunch but um I really, I really enjoyed uh, uh, what was that? Um, Gravity. I remember that was that okay. was oh. like okay, you know, the opening sequence where mm-hmm. after after a long time working in this field, you 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 sit in front of him and go, how the hell did they do this? I mean, it's an older film, so yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure that a lot of people who watch All Quiet on the Western Front will think the same thing about your work here and the visual effects. It really is a remarkable achievement. And we're so happy that you were able to join us today. All right. Well, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. So that was our interview with Frank. Again, an amazing time. And you can check out All Quiet on the Western Front on Netflix. And we also talked about the film on a previous episode from November on an award season roundup. So check out that episode as well. And next time on Oscar Wilde, you'll hear even more about All Quiet on the Western Front as we'll be talking about all of the contenders for international feature, as well as documentary feature and animated feature. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. (laughs) 